Chapter Fifteen. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. A Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court by Mark Twain. Chapter Fifteen. Sandy's Tale. And so I'm proprietor of some knights," said I as we rode off. Who would ever have supposed that I should live to list up assets of that sort? I shan't know what to do with them unless I raffle them off. How many of them are there, Sandy? Seven, please you, sir, and their squires. It is a good haul. Who are they? Where do they hang out? Where do they hang out? Uh, yes. Uh, where do they live? Ah, I understood thee not. That will I tell eftsoons. Then she said musingly and softly, turning the words daintily over her tongue, "Hang they out, hang they out. Where hang? Where do they hang out? Eh, right so. Where do they hang out? Of a truth, the phrase hath a fair and winsome grace, and is prettily worded withal. I will repeat it anon and anon in mine idlesses, whereby I may peradventure learn it." Where do they hang out? Even so, already it falleth trippingly from my tongue, and forasmuch as don't forget the cowboys, Sandy. Cowboys? Yes, the knights, you know. You were going to tell me about them a while back. You remember, figuratively speaking, uh, games called game. Yes, yes, yes.、Uh, go to the bat. I mean, get to work on your statistics, and don't burn so much kindling getting your fires started. Tell me about the knights. I will well and lightly will begin. So they two departed and rode into a great forest. And great Scott! You see, I recognized my mistake at once. I had set her works agoing. It was my own fault. She would be thirty days getting down to those facts, and she generally began without a preface and finished without a result. If you interrupted her. She would either go right along without noticing, or answer with a couple of words and go back and say the sentence over again. So interruptions only did harm, and yet I had to interrupt and interrupt pretty frequently too, in order to save my life. A person would die if he let her monotony drip on him right along all day. Great Scott! I said in my distress. She went right back and began over again. So they two departed and rode into a great forest, and which two? Sir Gawain and Sir Uwain, and so they came to an abbey of monks, and there were well lodged. So on the morn they heard their masses in the abbey, and so they rode forth till they came to a great forest. Then was Sir Gawain where in a valley by a turret, of twelve fair damsels, and two knights armed on great horses, and the damsels went to and fro by a tree. And then was Sir Gawain where how there hung a white shield on that tree. And ever as the damsels came by it, they spit upon it, and some threw mire upon the shield. Now, if I hadn't seen the like myself in this country, Sandy, I wouldn't believe it. But I've seen it, and I can just see those creatures now parading before that shield and acting like that. The women here do certainly act like all possessed. Yes, and I mean your best too. Society's very choicest brands. The humblest hello girl along ten thousand miles of wire could teach gentleness, patience, modesty, manners to the highest duchess in Arthur's land. Hello girl? Yes,、uh, but don't you ask me to explain. It's a new kind of girl. They don't have them here. One often speaks sharply to them when they are not the least in fault, and he can't get over feeling sorry for it and ashamed of himself in thirteen hundred years. It's such shabby mean conduct and so unprovoked. 
the fact is no gentleman ever does it though i well i myself if i've got to confess peradventure she never mind her never mind her i tell you i couldn't ever explain her so you would understand even so be it sith ye are so minded then sir gawaine and sir ewaine went and saluted them and asked them why they did that despite to the shield sirs said the damsels we shall tell you there is a knight in this county that owneth this white shield and he is a passing good man of his hands but he hateth all ladies and gentlewomen and therefore we do all this despite to the shield i will say you said sir gawaine it beseemeth evil a good knight to despise all ladies and gentlewomen and peradventure though he hate you he hath some cause and peradventure he loveth in some other places ladies and gentlewomen and be loved again and he such a man of prowess as ye speak of man of prowess yes uh, that is the man to please them sandy man of brains that is a thing they never think of tom sayers john heenan john l sullivan pity but you could be here you would have your legs under the round table and sir in front of your names within the twenty-four hours and you could bring about a new distribution of the married princesses and duchesses of the court in another twenty-four the fact is it is just a sort of polished-up court of comanches and there isn't a squaw in it who doesn't stand ready at the dropping of a hat to desert to the buck with the biggest strings of scalps at his belt and he be such a man of prowess as ye speak of said sir gawaine now what is his name sir said they his name is marhouse the king's son of ireland son of the king of ireland you mean the other form doesn't mean anything and look out and hold on tight now we must jump this gully there we are all right now this horse belongs in the circus he is born before his time i know him well said sir ewaine he is a passing good knight as any is on live on live if you've got a fault in the world sandy it is that you are a shade too archaic uh, but it isn't any matter for i saw him once proved at a justs where many knights were gathered and that time there might no man withstand him ah said sir gawaine damsels methinketh ye are to blame for it is to suppose he that hung that shield there will not be long therefrom and then may those knights match him on horseback and that is more your worship than thus for i will abide no longer to see a knight's shield dishonored and therewith sir ewaine and sir gawaine departed a little from them and then were they where where sir marhaus came riding on a great horse straight toward them and when the twelve damsels saw sir marhaus they fled into the turret as they were wild so that some of them fell by the way then the one of the knights of the tower dressed his shield and said on high sir marhaus defend thee and so they ran together that the knight brake his spear on marhaus and sir marhaus smote him so hard that he brake his neck and the horse's back well that is just the trouble about this state of things it ruins so many horses that saw the other knight of the turret and dressed him toward marhaus and they went so eagerly together that the knight of the turret was soon smitten down horse and man stark dead another horse gone i tell you it is a custom that ought to be broken up i don't see how people with any feeling can applaud and support it so these knights came together with great random i saw that i had been asleep and missed a chapter but i didn't say anything i judged that the irish knight was in trouble with the visitors by this time and this turned out to be the case 
that sir uwaine smote sir marhaus that his spear breast in pieces on the shield and sir marhaus smote him so sore that horse and man he bare to the earth and hurt sir uwaine on the left side the truth is alisande these archaics are a little too simple the vocabulary is too limited and so by consequence descriptions suffer in the matter of variety they run too much to level saharas of fact and not enough to picturesque detail this throws about them a certain air of the monotonous in fact the fights are all alike a couple of people come together with great random random is a good word and so is exegesis for that matter and, and so is holocaust and defalcation and usufruct and a hundred others but land a body ought to discriminate they come together with great random and a spear is brassed and one party break his shield and the other one goes down horse and man over his horse-tail and break his neck and then the next candidate comes randoming in and brassed his spear and the other man brassed his shield and down he goes horse and man over his horse-tail and break his neck and then there's another elected and another and another and still another till the material is all used up and when you come to figure up results you can't tell one fight from another nor who whipped and as a picture of living raging roaring battle show why it's pale and noiseless just ghosts scuffling in a fog dear me what would this barren vocabulary get out of the mightiest spectacle the burning of rome in nero's time for instance why it would merely say towns burned down no insurance boy brast a window fireman break his neck why that ain't a picture it was a good deal of a lecture i thought but it didn't disturb sandy didn't turn a feather her steam soared steadily up again the minute i took off the lid then sir marhas turned his horse and rode toward gawaine with his spear and when sir gawaine saw that he dressed his shield and they adventured their spears and they came together with all the might of their horses that either knight smote other so hard in the midst of their shields but sir gawaine's spear brake i knew it would but sir marhaus's spear held and therewith sir gawaine and his horse rushed down to the earth just so and brake his back and lightly sir gawaine rose upon his feet and pulled out his sword and dressed him toward sir marhaus on foot and therewith either came unto other eagerly and smote together with their swords that their shields flew in cantels and they bruised their helms and their hauberks and wounded either other but sir gawaine fro it past nine of the clock waxed by the space of three hours ever stronger and stronger and thrice his might was increased all this espied sir marhaus and had great wonder how his might increased and so they wounded other passing sore and then when it was come noon the pelting sing-song of it carried me forward to scenes and sounds of my boyhood days nee haven ten minutes for refreshments Kendruckle strike the gong-bell two minutes before the train leaves passengers for the shore-line please take seats in the rear car this car don't go no farther apples oranges bananas sandwiches pop corn and waxed past noon and drew toward evensong sir gawaine's strength feebled and waxed passing faint 
that unethus he might dure any longer and sir marhaus was then bigger and bigger which strained his armor of course and yet little would one of these people mind a small thing like that and so sir knight said sir marhaus i have well felt that year a passing good knight and a marvellous man of might as ever if i felt any while it lasteth and our quarrels are not great and therefore it were a pity to do you hurt for i feel you are passing feeble ah said sir gawaine gentle knight ye say the word that i should say and therewith they took off their helms and either kissed other and there they swore together either to love other as brethren but i lost the thread there and dozed off to slumber thinking about what a pity it was that men with such superb strength strength enabling them to stand up cased in cruelly burdensome iron and drenched with perspiration and hack and batter and bang each other for six hours on a stretch should not have been born at a time when they could put it to some useful purpose take a jackass for instance a jackass has that kind of strength and puts it to a useful purpose and is valuable to this world because he is a jackass but a nobleman is not valuable because he is a jackass it is a mixture that is always ineffectual and should never have been attempted in the first place and yet once you start a mistake the trouble is done and you never know what is going to come of it when i came to myself again and began to listen i perceived that i had lost another chapter and that alisande had wandered a long way off with her people and so they rode and came into a deep valley full of stones and thereby they saw a fair stream of water above thereby was the head of the stream a fair fountain and three damsels sitting thereby in this country said sir marhaus came never night since it was christened but he found strange adventures this is not good form alisande sir marhaus the king's son of ireland talks like all the rest you ought to give him a brogue or at least a characteristic expletive by this means one would recognize him as soon as he spoke without his ever being named it is a common literary device with the great authors you should make him say in this country be jabbers came never night since it was christened and he found strange adventures be jabbers you see how much better that sounds came never night but he found strange adventures be jabbers of a truth it doth indeed fair lord albeit tis passing hard to say though peradventure that will not tarry but better speed with usage and then they rode to the damsels and either saluted other and the eldest had a garland of gold about her head and she was threescore winter of age or more the damsel was even so dear lord and her hair was white under the garland celluloid teeth nine dollars a set as like as not the loose fit kind that go up and down like a portcullis when you eat and fall out when you laugh the second damsel was of thirty winter of age with a circlet of gold about her head the third damsel was but fifteen years of age billows of thought came rolling over my soul and the voice faded out of my hearing fifteen break my heart oh my lost darling just her age who was so gentle and lovely and all the world to me and whom i shall never see again how the thought of her carries me back over wide seas of memory to a vague dim time a happy time so many many centuries hence when i used to wake in the soft summer mornings out of the sweet dreams of her and say hello central just to hear her dear voice come melting back to me with a hello hank 
That was music of the spheres to my enchanted ear. She got three dollars a week, but she was worth it. I could not follow Alessandre's further explanation of who our captured knights were now, I mean in case she should ever get to explaining who they were. My interest was gone, my thoughts were far away and sad. By fitful glimpses of the drifting tale, caught here and there and now and then, I merely noted in a vague way that each of these three knights took one of these three damsels up behind him on his horse and one rode north, another east, the other south to seek adventures, and meet again and lie after a year and day. Year and day, and without baggage. It was of a piece with the general simplicity of the country. The sun was now setting. It was about three in the afternoon when Alessandre had begun to tell me who the cowboys were, so she had made pretty good progress with it, for her. She would arrive some time or other, no doubt, but she was not a person who could be hurried. We were approaching a castle which stood on high ground, a huge, strong, venerable structure whose gray towers and battlements were charmingly draped with ivy, and whose whole majestic mass was drenched with splendors flung from the sinking sun. It was the largest castle we had seen, and so I thought it might be the one we were after, but Sandy said no. She did not know who owned it. She said she had passed it without calling when she went down to Camelot. End of chapter 15